So this morning we are going to be finishing our series in Revelation, and we have a couple texts that we're going to be going through this morning, and so we're going to start in Isaiah 55, and so if you would like to turn there, that will be the first chapter that I am reading for you guys. Isaiah 55 says, Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. Since I have made him a witness to the peoples and a leader and commander for the peoples, so you will summon a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you will run to you. For the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there, without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up, and instead of the briar, a myrtle will come up. This will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. And now, if you will turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, we will be reading the letter to Laodicea. Write to the angel of the church of Laodicea, thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. You don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not exposed, and ointments to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have conquered and sat with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I know that I uh, often say, how many of you, raise your hand, and I, I say that a lot, Drew, wherever you are, you love to point out that, man, that's confusing, mildly frustrating, uh, and so I, I kind of apologize, but I mean this one. Can I do it this time, Drew? Can I get permission? Okay, I just, I, I want to do it this time, because I am kind of curious. I was shocked at first service. Um, how many of you, and, and let me kind of finish my qualification. Now, I want to know if you are, did not grow up in Stillwater, and have no real association to Oklahoma State University. You, you're not working there, or you didn't go to school there. So you're somewhat 
uh, a transplant to Stillwater, and so you're not living here because you grew up here, and you're not living here having something to do with Oklahoma State University. Raise your hand if you're still living in Stillwater, but those things don't apply to you. Okay. So fewer. First service, I was shocked at the number of people, that it was just like so many of them. Here's what I found to be so interesting and fascinating is that um, whenever I talk with people that are like that, that's me. Uh, I did not, not, not here for the university, although I'm very grateful for Oklahoma State. Um, I'm, I'm not a, a go pokes by birth or my parents aren't alums. Uh, I ended up coming to Stillwater um, for many, many, many different reasons other than those things. And I had a conversation with somebody recently and they said to me that they enjoy it here, which I do too. I love Stillwater, Oklahoma. Raised my kids here, absolutely love it here. But they made this comment I just feel a little out of place. So for those of you that are kind of like in that same line as me, I, I, I think I get what you're saying. Like, you don't want to be the person who hates Oklahoma State. No, 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 go Pokes. I get it. I think we won yesterday. That's awesome. Um, I, can, I can cheer that. I'm excited about that. But I'm, I'm trying to get used to certain things, right? So there is a growing accustomed to the places that we live, and there are some unique things about Stillwater, Oklahoma, that I really do appreciate, and that are literally signs of the place in which I live. I'll, I'll drive on a Saturday, either in and out of this town to Oklahoma City or to Tulsa, and I'll see a number of vehicles that have flags with Oklahoma State things, kind of, and they're driving. I'm like, oh, they're headed to game day. So you just you recognize that, and you, and you see that. Do you remember what it, it feels like when all of a sudden, there you are, and it is sometime, you don't even know the month exactly, is it? Is July over? Is it August? And then all of a sudden you realize, huh, there's more people in town. You know that university hasn't started, but something is abuzz in the air, right? You remember that feeling when you realize, I'm going to have to be driving a little bit longer, I'm going to have to be waiting in line a little bit longer, and you're a little bit excited. I mean, it's like it's, you've enjoyed the summer, you've enjoyed the different flow of traffic, and yet you're excited to see everybody back. Or you find yourself, and it's in May, and then you realize, huh, things are Things are changing again. Um, there's the Christmas season, and then there's the summer season. If I were to say, hey, where do you want to go for lunch? I've, I've learned that there are two, maybe three places in, in which everybody just says, if you've not been to Stillwater, you have to be, And right? So there is Hideaway. We're going to Hideaway? We're going to Hideaway. You want to go to Hideaway? We're going to Hideaway. And then the other place, obviously, is Eskimo Joe's. We're going to Eskimo Joe's, get cheese fries. Get the, which, what they do with their bacon is ridiculous, Right? <laughs> But I'll be honest with you, like, I really don't know. I mean, I'm not a connoisseur of cheese fries, but for some reason, they do taste good. And the Mexico Joe's, right? My kids grew up, they just loved Mexico Joe's. I have no idea if it's the greatest Mexican food in the world. Um, love the, I call it salsa. I think it's called pica de gallo. I don't even know if I'm calling it right, but um, I love that. So I love the unique things. I don't know if Hideaway is the, like, the best pizza ever, but if you're from Stillwater, it's about Hideaway, man. You gotta go to Hideaway. And so there's something about those, those places, and there's something about this culture that just infects us. And I've been here now long enough where I, I feel less out of place than I did before. I'm, I'm, learning how to, I'm learning how to fit in. I just, I get it. And I want to fit in. I don't, I don't know if there's anything wrong with fitting in. Can I just give you a little bit of a, a brief history, just in case you're planning on moving to Laodicea? I just want to just let you know a little bit of what that town is like and a little bit of what you can um, expect should you choose to move from Stillwater and want to live in Laodicea 2,000 years ago. So uh, you're going to need something else than just an airplane to get there. 
Um, but Laodicea is a, is a city that is relatively well-known. Maybe it's not a Pergamum and it's not an Ephesus, so it doesn't quite have the economic prowess or uh, the, the religious history, but it, it definitely is a town that's got some significance to it. Um, it's, it's got an agricultural base, a lot like Philadelphia does, except they're a little more productive. And there's a lot of wealthy farmers and, and even wealthy industrialists, particularly one of the things that's really, really popular in Laodicea, should you want to move there, um, is that there are a lot of sheep farms, this particular black kind of sheep in which the wool is taken and there are textiles. So there's a lot of clothing manufacturing that is, is happening in this town. And so one thing we know for a fact is you will be dressed well if you move there. Um, again, they're not an economic center, but they are located on a road that travels to and from, and so it's, it's, it's a good stopping point, and so there's enough productivity, and there are enough wealthy, what they called benefactors back then, enough wealthy individuals that, um, that like to have their names on buildings. Do you know what that's like in Stillwater? They like to have their names on buildings, um, and they're willing to contribute, they're willing to give to those in need. It's also close enough to Philadelphia that it shares living on a fault line that shares the, 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 the problems during certain seasons, earthquake season. In, in 20 AD, they were virtually destroyed by an earthquake. And, and the Roman government stepped in and said, listen, we want to help you rebuild. And they said, thank you so much. We need help being rebuilt. And so they were rebuilt. Another earthquake happens, just same, almost the end of that generation in 60 AD, and Laodicea says, because they're just doing so well, actually, we, we don't need your help. We're, we're rich. We, we don't have need of government assistance, thank you very much, but we've got wealthy benefactors who are going to take care of us, so we're wealthy. We don't need your help. And, and so in this particular city, there was a lot of, uh, of, of pride, but not, I don't, I mean, I don't know... I don't know what to call it. Like, I don't know if it's a negative pride. It's a pride that comes because they're successful. It's a pride that comes from hard work. It, it, it's a pride that comes from just being responsible and being independent. Like, isn't that a good thing? It, it's a pride knowing that we can take care of ourselves and dress ourselves and just be very healthy and productive members of Roman society. Laodicea. And what's interesting is, is that that attitude, and I don't think there's any way around it, that, that attitude begins to infect and affect those people. It, it begins to mold and shape them so that when Paul speaks to this church, the attitudes that they're representing mirror. I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to get around it. We are all... And Paul says it, when he's preaching a sermon in Acts 17 that God ordains or God um, chooses the times in which we live and the places in which we live so that we might reach out to him and perhaps find him. And then once we found him, then it becomes difficult for, I think, every one of us to varying degrees, difficult for every one of us to not blend in, to not fit in, to not allow the appropriate pride that we might have, the appropriate sense of accomplishment that we might have, the appropriate sense of independence, success, that doesn't somehow make us immune to God and to his word. Where we spend our time, again, looking so much like our culture that it literally looks like the same thing, but it's actually very different. 
Very, very different. It just, it just looks like it's the same thing. And so Jesus speaks a word to this church. And he says it's, it's some of the strongest language against this church. I mean, he, usually uses, he even uses a word like vomit. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And uh, there was a lot of debate in the, in the commentaries that I was reading. It's really not spit. No, it's, it's, it's vomit. It's this visceral response to just something that you don't want. This is what Jesus says of his church. Why? What did they do that was so bad? They just fit in. They, they just decided that this isn't just a great place to live. This is a great place to mimic. This is a great place to mirror. These are attitudes and qualities that not only do we admire in other people, but we actually begin to admire them and take pride in our, them ourselves. And, and it's what happens when all of a sudden we become, and this might sound like a strong word, but this is a strong letter. Is it possible for, for people, again, the context is this letter was written to a church. Is it possible for a Christians to become useless? Whoa, 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 whoa. Man, that is one of the, it is, if you think about it, it is one of the strongest words to level at somebody. You're useless. Now, there's the, you're useless. Like, you, you have no purpose. That's not the kind of uselessness that Jesus is, um, is accusing here. It's the kind of uselessness that comes from not being useful, of just being common, being, no, but now you're just like everybody else. I've spent a lot of my life trying to be useful by trying to fit in, by, by trying to be useful by being like everyone else, by being like the culture that I'm around. And, and by the way, it, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. I, I think it has served me well that go pokes. Hey, you want to come see a game? Sure, I'd love to come see a game. I think that has served me and the ministry of Sunnybrook Christian Church well. Could I go too far? I mean, I'm grateful. I'm not even an American I'm a resident alien. I can show you my green card. But you got to admit, like, it wouldn't have gone well for me if I was just, oh, I hate America. Canada's way better. It wouldn't have served me well. Go back to Canada if that's where you're right. That's, you wouldn't have said it to me. Some of you would have said it to me. <laughs> but you all would have thought it. Dude, if you like it there so much, like, dude, I get it. Don't, don't dog us on it all the time. There isn't a, pro, a usefulness about fitting in. And there is a uselessness when now you have nothing really to offer me. And Jesus says to this church, you're useless to me. That's the, that's the imagery behind the I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Oh yeah, one more thing. So one other thing that's it's kind of interesting about this particular city, Laodicea, and I, it, it's literally like, wow, that just fits perfectly. I've, I've never forgotten this because I still remember one of my first professors drawing it on a board. Laodicea was a city that was situated not, not too far from two other cities. One of those cities was named was Heriopolis, H. So think of like the hot of your faucet. And from Heriopolis came hot water. It was water that came up from the ground and was useful for bathing and for hot springs. I mean, hot water, when you want a hot bath, is actually really, really useful. 
There was another city, um, Colossae, C, that works perfectly. The letter to the Colossians was written to this church. And cold water came from that, refreshing springs. I, I love cold water. Don't you love cold water? When you need cold water, I love cold water. But Laodicea, L, lukewarm, was situated like far down from both of these places. And so the hot water from Heriopolis that was rich with minerals and therefore had kind of a bit of a, a, a sulfuric smell to it would then mingle with the cold water from Colossae and by the time it got down and, and reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm and it smelled bad. The pipes, the aqueducts literally in, uh, uh, in Laodicea were so filled with mineral deposits that almost hardly any water could get through when they excavated it. And, and it was known as a city. Man, you... you just be careful with the water there. Like it is just so gross, you'll just want to spit it out of your mouth. You'll want to vomit it out. It'll, it'll make you just feel sick. So just, you know, bring your own water source or put up with that water. Again, you, you've probably heard preachers say, and I, I know what they're trying to say, but I don't think it's the best representation of what's happening here. Jesus is describing a usefulness. This seems to be a very high application, high cultural adaptation. We, we want to make sure that we're a, we're, a, we're a successful church and we're a healthy church. It, it seems like they are aware of themselves that they know they're doing well. I think we're doing pretty good. So they have a self-awareness, but the self-awareness is from a cultural perspective and not from a divine perspective, and that's a bad perspective. So they don't go, yeah, we don't even know. I mean, I, I, we don't even know who we are. No, we are, we are rich. We are wealthy, and we have no need of anything. And it doesn't look like they're just speaking financially. Actually, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it? Like sometimes I'm doing so well physically. I'm doing so well relationally. I'm doing so well financially that I, I don't know how much I really need, or better yet, I don't know how well I'm aware of the need that I have for Jesus and for who he is. And he just then, at those moments, just kind of fits into my life as I go on about my life. And so Jesus isn't saying, you're not hot or cold. I wish you were either cold or hot. He seems to use them interchangeably. It's those are good things. Hot water is a good thing. Cold water is a good thing. Depending upon what I need, I really, really like it. It's lukewarm water, especially nauseating lukewarm water, that I just have this visceral response in which I want to vomit you out of my mouth. It's not hot, I'm on fire for Jesus. Cold, I'm just don't want anything to do with Jesus. I've heard preachers preach that for a long time, haven't you? No, it's about usefulness. Can you imagine that Jesus would say, to people who claim to follow him. Like, I have no use for you. Again, be really careful how you hear that. It's not, you're useless. It's an appeal. It's the words that Jesus is giving is one of love. I desire to use you. I redeemed you for a reason. I am restoring you for a reason. The place in which you live, you are needed. And yet, hear these words in love, Jesus is saying, he even points that out. I love you. I love you. But you're useless. You're lukewarm. 
Jesus, I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't even know how I got here. I, I don't even remember the steps that I was taking that walked me away from you. And the new destination that I'm in actually seems rather strange. How did I get here spiritually? How did I get here relationally? How did I get lulled into this lethargy that you were speaking about, Drew? How did that happen? How did I lose my first love? How did I begin to tolerate evil, Jesus? How did this happen? He doesn't really say how. He doesn't spend all of his time going, well, here's how it happened, and you need to stop doing it. No. Every letter begins with, just look at me. I need you to look at me. I really even wondered if it was good. I was trying to find a connecting point, and so I used that whole Stillwater Laodicea thing to try to find a connection with you. Because I, I knew that that's what you, 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 you liked. That's what we like. We like it when you, when you start with me so that I can have a connection with me. It really helps me understand things. But actually, the Bible begins with God. In the beginning, there was nothing, and God created the heaven. It begins with him. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John's gospel begins with Jesus, not with us. And every one of these letters begins with Jesus. It begins with a picture of who he is. This is what the Spirit is saying to this particular church. And then it describes who Jesus is, and he is described as the Amen. The Amen. Literally, it's the so let it be. It is just that which is. And Jesus is the Amen of God. He is the yes of God to the world. He is the final word of God. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God has spoken through many ways, prophets and visions and dreams. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And now I want to just borrow a word that the Lord gives at his baptism and then also at the transfiguration. This is the son in whom I live, or who I love, in him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my son that I love. Listen to him. And so really, the answer that you and I have this morning is, is not a reassessment and understanding what's going on in Stillwater, and then, well, what is Stillwater like? I'm going to be the opposite. No. That's never the cultural answer of the church. Well, no, I'm going to be the same so that, I can, so that I can really relate to them and understand them. No, that's not what the Bible teaches either. The Bible doesn't say be the opposite, and the Bible doesn't say just be the same. The Bible says be like God. That's what the Bible directs us to. It directs us to him. Jesus says, I am the amen of God. I am the yes of God. Jesus says in, in this letter to the church of Laodicea, I am the true and the faithful witness. When Jesus came into this world, he came into this world like everybody else, like all of, well, okay, no, that's not true. I don't want to spoiler alert Christmas. He didn't quite come exactly the way that all of us came. But you know what I mean. The Bible makes it very clear. He wasn't just an angel that came down. God didn't send that kind of a messenger. God put on human flesh and he dwelt among us. He was God with us. He was fully human like we are human. Fully human. And, and yet he remained a faithful witness. I bet you he dressed like every other Jewish person. And he had a job like a lot of other people. Probably followed his dad's line of work for a number of years. So Jesus just didn't come in and just do the opposite of everything, and, and yet he obviously didn't fit in, because this repeated idea of who Jesus is and what usefulness looks like to us is a faithful witness, an accurate representation of who God is. 
And that is why as followers of Jesus Christ, it is important that we look to him and know who he is and respond to him so that we can be useful. It's not about, I don't want to be useless. It's about being useful. It is about being productive in kingdom type things and eternal type things. Over the last few weeks, I've been spending a lot of time with people who are near the end of life. And it's fascinating how when you're in their home and you're talking with them, not a lot else matters. Two Fridays ago, I'm sitting with a man who had just found out he has cancer, decided I'm not doing anything about it. I've lived long enough. His funeral was on Friday, seven days later. Just not of a lot mattered at that moment. By the way, I'm not just talking about how do we prepare for that moment, although we'll sing a song about that in a few minutes. But how do I live my life in such a way that when that moment does come, whenever it decides to come, that I've been useful in the meantime. So here's what Jesus actually says about what it actually means. He says this, for those who are poor, I don't know what you think of yourself. I don't know if you go, wait a second, I'm not poor, I'm wealthy. By the way, that's what the Laodiceans thought. For those of you who are poor, I'm not talking financially. I'm actually saying that you might be financially rich and so that you don't recognize that you're poor. You might have everything in such a place and in such control that you are now completely oblivious to your spiritual poverty. Everything that you've done to position yourself in this level of accomplishment and success and even ease of life may have lulled you into a disconnect with God that now makes you, again, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. I'm just saying, can we at least consider this this morning that what I consider to be a benefit is actually provided... This, this way or this, this road of, of uselessness, not usefulness. And, and therefore, there is an act of resignation. There is an act of surrender. I love what Jesus says to these very wealthy people by, who think they're wealthy, and they are wealthy, but they're not wealthy. That's literally how complicated it is. They think they're wealthy because they're wealthy, but they're not wealthy. That's really what Jesus is saying. Buy from me. Gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. Have you guys ever seen those commercials? You should buy gold. I'm thinking, I don't even have enough gold to buy gold. How am I supposed to buy gold? Right? It just seems like, I think this is talking to rich people, buying gold. What did you do today? I was buying gold. Must be nice. That's why Zach read Psalm, or, uh, Isaiah 55. Come and buy from me. Come and buy from me. And then he says, and Isaiah, I think that's what Jesus is alluding to here. Come and buy from me without money. That's, what God, that's how God talks to his people. Come buy, I know you don't have any money, so come buy from me without money. That, that's why there's a, there's a line in that verse that we often say and we apply it in the wrong places. But he actually says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. When the Bible is using that, it's usually describing this reckless, abundant giving and graciousness of God that doesn't fit in the way that we relate to one another and the way that we act. It talks about like our sins being like red and now they're being like turned white. Come, let us reason together. My, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. Come and, you know how bizarre that is? I know you have no money, so buy from me, the Lord says. I know you have no ability 
to actually exchange with me or barter with me because you really have nothing. This is the amazing part. I'm speaking spiritually here. We have no ability to bargain or to barter with God because we have nothing. And he says to us, come, come. What? What? It's like a woman at a well getting water. And Jesus says to her, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for streams of living water. I would give you streams of living water and you would never thirst again. And and her response was, well, give me some of this water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well. Okay, she didn't get that one. Come and buy from me. Gold, gold that has been refined, gold that has been purified. He's, He's speaking about them. They haven't been purified. They haven't been refined. Now remember this. He is speaking to Christian people here. He's not not speaking to some terrible group of, of absolutely recklessly living people who have no idea who he is. No, this is a letter to the church at Laodicea, to the saints at Laodicea, to the Christians who at some level have already recognized their sin and responded to Jesus and then over time decided, and I'm just going to assume that they're a lot like me, they want to be useful, and they became useless. It is this act of surrender, come by from me, gold refined by fire, and you will be rich. It's not just abandoning wealth, it's just realizing, and let this, let this sit on you, it's a famous, you know this, like money can't buy you everything. And not only that, but money might lead us, not just Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos, but us away from, a, from, from Jesus, but before that, from an awareness of who I really am and how much I need Jesus. I, I had a friend of mine who would always say on payday, oh, I just love to stop and give thanks to the Lord for how he has provided. And he would say that to me regularly. And I remember the first time he said it, I thought, I don't think I've ever thought that in my life. I don't think I've ever once, like, gotten a check deposited in my account or given, I remember when I used to get, like, remember when they would give out like physical checks when you got paid? Literally, here's a, that's how, that's how old I am. Here's a physical check. I had to go to a bank and cash in or deposit that check, right? Fill out a deposit slip. I had to take it to the bank. And I just remember thinking, man, I've worked hard for that. I, I, I think they should be paying me more. That's what I'm usually thinking. And I hear this guy say, I just, I'm so grateful to the Lord for how he has provided for my family. Dude, that wasn't the Lord, that was you. No, actually, it was the Lord. It is this act of recognition, and it's not just about our wealth. You would have gold so that you could be rich that had been refined. And then he says, for those who are naked, again, in a city where they they, they knew clothing. I I guarantee if there's one thing, if you you live in Stillwater, if there's one thing you don't need, it's a t-shirt. We even get complaints about that around here. Man, I don't know what it is about Sunnybrook, but they're like everybody else. They're always giving out T-shirts. And we're actually having a, 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 another one we call T-Y, or thank you benefit for our volunteers. And guess what we're giving you? Uh, I don't want to say, but yeah, it might be a T-shirt. It looks great. But a lot, a lot of us are going, man, I just, what I really need is an Eskimo Joe's T-shirt. Literally, how many of you have Eskimo Joe's T-shirts? Raise your hand. Yeah. I have a drawer full of just Eskimo Joe's T-shirts. How many of you, literally, when you wake up in the morning, are going, what am I going to wear? Oh, not that, 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 not that. 
Well, maybe it's in one of my drawers. Open up your drawer. Nope, none of those. Nope, none of those. Andrea, I have nothing to wear. I, I don't realize because I have so much to wear that I'm naked. Now, that, that isn't really an act of surrender or an act of, rec- uh, an act of resignation. This is an act of contrition because look at what he says. Come to me so that you might buy, that you might have from me. And again, you can't afford this. This is something I'm going to give to you. Come and gain from me white clothes. In the book of Revelation, those are the righteous acts of the saints described in chapter 19. Come buy white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed. See, these people didn't know enough by their alignment with the world to be shamed. Maybe they just, what they wanted was safe places. I need a safe space where I don't have to hear difficult things. Proverbs 27.6 says that the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the words of an enemy are filled with kisses. Jesus is speaking like a friend here. And by the way, it's not just university campuses that like to create safe spaces. And it's not just business places that are trying to create a safe space for you. I know that's what we're talking about, but... I'm going, no, but I like safe spaces. Like, I like relationships that don't tell me difficult things. Like, I, I, I don't go back and always talk to that same person that makes me deal with the complicated nature of myself. Actually, you know what? I wish Andrea was more supportive now that I think about it. Like, I wish she would tell me on a regular basis about all those things that I did well and not the three things that I could work on. You know what? Here's what I, and that's what we do. It, it, it's not just a particular kind of person, there is a natural tendency like all of us, like water and electricity, to find a path of least resistance. And the words of Jesus are, you don't want to deal with your shame, you don't want to deal with your guilt. No, I don't. I did not come to church to feel guilty. I did not come to church to be shamed. I know a lot of churches that by their intention and by their design is to create this into a safe space so that you could feel the love of God. And I agree with all of that. But also, where we are loved enough, that's why it's so important that we realize before Jesus says, I will vomit you out of my mouth, that as he is talking about this, I I love those that I rebuke and that I reprove. One one of the words that could be translated is, like, I scrutinize those. How many of you think of Jesus as scrutinizing you? I would argue that even as I was reading that and kind of translating it myself, I thought to myself, well, that's just a little bit, that's intense. Like, I don't know if culturally we're comfortable with the idea of Jesus scrutinizing us. That's what the text says. Yeah, that's what I don't like about the Bible. No, hear me. I understand what you're saying. Have you ever heard someone speak in such terms and you're realizing, well, that's what I would have said, but coming out of your mouth, that's not a good thing? Jesus says, I scrutinize those that I love. Like, I I rebuke. It literally is the idea of I'm instructing you so that you will actually become, like, responsible and useful is the idea of that word. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you. Like, the words of a friend, I'm speaking this truth in love. Jesus does it perfectly. Please, brothers, sisters, do not shy away from Jesus' assessment. Let us have ears to hear what Jesus is saying to the Laodiceans. By the way, I don't know exactly how this needs to fit into your life. That's what I love about the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to 
to say exactly how this works in you. I just pray that it's working in you. That that you're able to recognize the work of the Spirit. Because Jesus says to these people, and they had no awareness of this, we're naked. I would argue with you like crazy that I don't have any t-shirts. I would argue like you're crazy. I have lots of t-shirts. I don't need it and Jesus walks in. No, you don't have anything. You're, you're naked. I have seven t-shirts on. That's the kind of disconnect that you and I can have. With contrition. Jesus, I need you. Not so that I can feel shame and guilt, but that I can actually feel liberation from the right shame and the appropriate guilt that I have. Again, he's speaking to Christians here. Every, every, we can all go, yeah, that's the way the world is. No, that, that's the way that you and I can be when we are not responding on an ongoing basis to who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ is about. Lastly, he actually says, for those who are blind, there is a discernment piece. Now, this one is almost the hardest one for me. If it's complicated to imagine, like, how do people who don't know they're naked find out they're naked? Or how do people who don't have any money buy things? Like, how do people who are blind gain sight? And the answer is only through miraculous things. Uh, Laodicea was actually a medical community that was, that was known. It wasn't the only city of the seven, but it was one of the seven that was actually known for a kind of ointment that just helped heal the eye. And Jesus says, yeah, come to me, and I will help you see. There is a discernment about, about life that really happens. And, and honestly, let's, let's be reminded that it's not just so that we can see still water better. It's not even just so that you can see yourself better. A lot of us want to use the enlightenment that God gives us for our own self-actualization. Yeah, I really was kind of selfish, but now I'm not as selfish. By the way, anybody else want to just kind of help me? I worked Habitat for Humanity yesterday. You want to kind of give me a... Actually, I didn't, but my wife did. But I'm married to somebody who worked at Habitat for Humanity yesterday. I don't see it. I can't see it. And Jesus says, come to me and I will help you see. Me, Jesus says. Come align your life. Help orient your life. Come for me to discernment, ointment, to spread on your eyes so that you may see. I want to see. Jesus, I want to see. So how do you do that? What I love is that Jesus breaks into our time. Jesus interrupts our life. Jesus says, I'm going to reveal the truth about, and this is what he's saying to us this morning, I'm going to reveal the truth about some people who lived thousands of years ago in a city called Laodicea. And and there are some things about Laodicea and Stillwater that are kind of the same. And there are are things that are, are happening, and it's it's something that I want you to hear because it also applied to them. That's why the end of this letter is, and the Spirit says that those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so you and I get to listen about this final word from the Amen about others so that you and I might, where it ever is appropriate, to begin to say, like, like God, I, I need to recognize my own um, poorness my own spiritual lostness and depravity. And I, I don't mean the kind of lostness where you're lost and going to hell. Um, 
but you do know that mission drift isn't just something that happens to organizations. Jesus is calling us home. Actually, he's not calling us home. He's knocking. That's how this ends. If, I want to take a look at this. This is the translation, and, and I didn't come up with this on my own, but I, I love this translation because the verb tenses are so unique. They are so specific that I think it's important that we realize it. This is how that famous look, I'm standing at the door. It's known as the perfect tense, which means it's describing a past action as though it's this ongoing action. It's really trying to underline, bold, and italicize. You know, remember when you learned about that? I want to emphasize this. I want to highlight this, and then all of a sudden your entire book is in yellow. Remember doing that? This is the emphasis that Jesus has, and here's how I think the best translation. It's not, look, I stand at the door and knock. By the way, it's not written to unbelievers where he's going to come and live in their hearts. No, it's not about living in your heart. This is actually a word to believers who have decided to drift and he is calling them home. Actually, he is calling them back into fellowship and he is standing at the door and knocking. It's fascinating that recently we read in another letter that whatever door I open cannot be closed. Whatever door I close cannot be opened. And here he is standing and knocking. Look, I have taken up my position at the door. That's, it's, it's, it's this ongoing, I've done it and I'm gonna keep on doing it. It is, I've taken up my position at the door and I stand there knocking. It's that constant reminder that Jesus loves us and so he's saying the truth to us. He cares about us so much that he reveals the truth about himself. He's not mad, but he is constant. waiting for us not to come home but to fellowship with him and to eat with him and to dine with him. Why? So that then we can become full and we can see and, and we can be well clothed and, and we can be rich so that we can be useful. Not for ourselves because in the end that's how it got us into this trouble in the first place but useful for him and for his mission and for his purpose in the world that hopefully you and I love enough not to be just like them, but to be so much like Jesus that it's the best thing for them. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've accomplished for us in Christ. And I pray, God, that you would make it known to us who you are and make us like you. May we respond in worship because of your abundant goodness. God, I pray that our hearts would hear and respond to your word as it has been spoken to us. It's in Christ's name we humbly submit ourselves. Amen. Would you stand now with us? In the middle of this song, we're going to take communion together. So if you do not yet have that, you can make your way to the back room and grab that. We will take it together here in just a moment.